You're listening to The Voice of Dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is Returning by Friend of the Fireplace Toledo the Horse, whose furry literary exploits mostly follow an Argentine toucan working through anxiety, alienation, and acceptance. Oh, and also basketball sometimes. You can find more of his stories on Fur Affinity. Please enjoy Returning by Toledo the Horse. The city of El Dorado resembled from above the skeleton of a giant anaconda. Seba had thought so ever since, heady on the stories of Horacio Quiroga, he first saw a map of the place. The anaconda, he had explained to a friend once, while they both bent over a map, had its head dipped in the Paraná River, its tail vanishing fifteen kilometres into the jungle, and its narrow midsection bisected by Ruta Doce. The anaconda had been roadkill, he explained. Development had scoured away the canopy, its scaled skin, and revealed the brilliant, blood-coloured soil that ran in the hilly streets during the summer rains. All cities, Seva later learned, were built at intersections of some sort or another, but here, in this place, were his intersections. Europe and the Americas, his parents, himself, and basketball. And he was here again for the first time in eight years. After an early bus ride from Posadas, he had stopped by a local athletic club to meet the sprightly young athletes there. Many of them had watched the draft combine challenge the previous week, in large part because he, probably the city's most famous former resident, had been on the television. In his presence, they were transfixed, and Seva did his best to reassure them that he had no mystical powers, that he was just like them, that they could do what he did if they wanted. And, he added, that whatever they decided to do, it was great. After all, he himself had prepared to go to medical school had basketball not worked out. After a couple of pictures and a club Eldorado jersey as a gift, he waved farewell, watching as their awestruck eyes followed him out the door. He had one more place to go, and were he frank with himself, he would have realised that this was perhaps the primary reason to stop by Eldorado, especially since he no longer had family there. It was no Itati or Luhan or, God have mercy, Mercedes, but it was a shadow of a pilgrimage. Coincidentally, though, Seba chuckled to himself, it was to a church. Leaving his cousin Danny at a café downtown, Seba boarded a bus that took him kilometres west towards the river. One disadvantage of being an uncommon species with an undisguisable feature, toucan beaks were impossible to hide, was that despite pulling his purple Alado hoodie over his head, he could not escape the attention of the public. Over his college career he'd grown accustomed to strangers recognising him, but since declaring for the 2014 Furry Basketball Association draft, the number of strangers who knew who he was had exploded. Subconsciously he had suspected greater anonymity in Argentina, but the opposite turned out to be true. Had he reflected for more than a second, he would have recalled the general enthusiasm whenever a local son attained international attention. The basketball, now wedged under his arm, only made identification inevitable. Wanting a modicum of privacy, he simply turned away from the prying eyes and watched the scenery pass by. Gradually, the buildings of Centro gave way to homes, which diminished in size and density until, Seva knew, they were approaching Avenida Bertoni. Rising from his seat, Seva pressed the button to signal a stop and descended from the back of the bus. He had been a tall child, but even so the neighbourhood looked smaller than he remembered it. The kiosco on the corner had a new paint job and, he remembered with some amusement, had provided his first nickname among the neighbourhood children. Ah, the joys of a Polish surname! Confused furs had rendered it kiosco, 
An announcer had recently rendered it as couscous, an instant hit among tongue-tied reporters. While he purchased the chocolate and dulce de leche alfajor from the kiosco's attendant, a nostalgic splurge, he decided he preferred couscous. In no rush, he walked down the street, chewing on the thick confection. The houses and pavement bore the red ochre-stained facades characteristic of anything exposed to the Misiones weather and left unscrubbed, the same tint that coloured his feet every day of his youth. There was his childhood home, now obviously occupied by others, and painted a different colour. Stopping in might have been welcomed, but he wasn't quite in the mood for company. Besides, it was no longer part of his world. His family lived elsewhere, and he cared about them more than the real estate. No, what he came for was a head. Behind a tall black metal fence, gate as always locked, and beside a long, low, peak-roofed rectangle of a brick building sat an expanse of cracked, rust-tinted concrete. On either end of the concrete stood a black pole, a beaten backboard, and a nestless hoop. There had never been nets, but there had never really been a need. In the years before he enrolled at Club Eldorado, Seba had only ever played with a handful of other furs there. Most of his peers just went for football in the empty lot down the street. After peering at the small court through the church fence's bars, Seba tossed his ball over the top and, not waiting for it to bounce to a halt, reached up and pulled himself over the fence. Being two metres tall made that quite a bit easier. Landing in the grass on the other side, he was about to run over to retrieve the runaway ball when a new memory, one in a flood, rushed back. He had never played on this court with shoes on. In fact, much of his young life had been spent barefoot, his shoes only preserved clean for use at school. Sitting down, he bent forward and unlaced his shoes, leaving them and his socks by the wall of the church. The grass and the soil were hardened by summer sun and scratched against his feet, but it was deeply familiar. The trouble with sight, he later thought, was that there was too much of it in one's memory. It was hard for a sight to stand out. But something like touch had the potential to recall moods and emotions. For now, Seba did not feel like the FBA draft candidate, brains stuffed with and muscles tuned by years of drills, but the ten-year-old with an oversized, overworn basketball shooting hoops in the afternoon heat. And that was what he did now. At first cringing from the heat of the concrete, he took his place in front of the hoop, aimed, and tossed the ball upward. His expert follow-through directed the ball into the metal ring. A couple paces gave him the rebound. So he continued, unaware of the world, landing nearly every basket he attempted, a feat that, he knew, would have left a little Seba jealous. Then behind him he heard the unmistakable sound of bouncing rubber and, turning, saw a ball pass by and come to a halt at the edge of the court. It had not come from the fence, but the brick wall that ringed three-quarters of the church's property. Picking up his own ball and standing, he glanced to the top of the wall. Surely enough, as he watched he saw a little hoofed hand reach up and over to grip the brickwork. A second longer revealed the large-eyed face of a young deer clambering over. Another second and those eyes widened, having noticed Seba. The fawn froze, obviously trying to decide whether it would be better to abandon their ball and run, or to finish scaling the wall in full view of someone who, for all they knew, could get him in trouble. Seba tried to diffuse the tension with a smile and a wave, asking, "'So, that is your ball?' The face above the wall nodded silently, eyes still wide. Bien, come and get it. Maybe I can show you a few things. Weighing the situation a moment more, the deer strained to lift himself over the edge, but achieved it, 
spinning and deftly dropping onto the lawn below. Seba walked over to the youngster's ball and tossed it over. Catch! A brief fumble later, the fawn caught the ball. Seba asked his name, and with a reply, Luce, found she was little doe, not a buck. Her family had recently moved there from San Vicente, she said, and she found the basketball court here. She didn't know who owned it. After reassuring her that he was not here to report her, Seba began demonstrating to her the fundamentals of the game. Dribbling, shooting, ball control, and having her practice them. Her awkwardness reminded Seba of those first times he had come down here with a ball he had borrowed. He could not help but smile, and Toucan smiles are large. But throughout the impromptu teaching sessions, Luce continued to look at Seba strangely, but only when she thought he was distracted. It registered marginally in Seba's mind that she was doing this, but he attributed it to interaction between strangers and his own proven social stiffness. When he knelt down beside her to guide her in making a shot, however, she let it out. You are couscous, no? The question caught Seba off guard. His private reverie on the court had washed away all sense of celebrity that had accumulated over the past months, and to be reminded of his fame, especially with such a recent nickname, was jarring. Yes, I suppose they call me that, he responded. The shock was legible in her face, but quickly turned into a smile. Ah, we watched you on TV last week. What are you doing here? Shouldn't you be playing in the FBA now? Seba laughed and explained that he wasn't in the FBA yet and that he was from here and that he had begun playing basketball on this very court. So don't underestimate yourself. Just keep playing. Little Luce nodded vigorously, hugging her ball with arms that barely reached around its circumference. With that, Seva noticed the place of the sun in the sky and realized he should be heading back. He and Danny had a bus to catch that evening for Puerto Iguazu. He bade farewell to the little fawn, but watched for half a minute while she missed basket after basket. Positioning herself right under the basket, she shot upward. Seeing where it was going, Seba leapt forward and with one winged arm and single flap, grabbed the ball and plunged it into the hoop. They call that an alley-oop, he told her with a smile, catching the ball before it escaped and handing it back to her. On an impulse, he pulled out his own basketball. Here, have another one. You will wear out many in order to improve. Luce seemed overjoyed and immediately set to shooting baskets again, this time with his ball. Seba said goodbye again and lifted himself over the fence. Halfway down the street, he could still hear the telltale sound of ball on pavement, ball on backboard, and, once or twice, ball through hoopless rim. He boarded the bus and smiled all the way back to where he'd met up with Danny again. There were a couple times when he heard his name spoken. Now he waved in acknowledgement. When he got off the bus, Danny examined him quizzically. Well, you look happy. Seba sighed. It was nice to get some time to myself, that's all. Visit a couple of places, shoot a couple of hoops. <laughs> Looks like whatever it was, it knocked your socks off. Seppa was confused until he followed Danny's line of sight toward his own feet, where he saw blue scales and black talons. What was unusual about this struck Seba too late. He had forgotten his shoes back at the church's court. He started for a moment, recalling how much those shoes had cost, but just as quickly realized that he and Danny had no time for him to return to Avenida Bertoni for a pair of shoes. They were lost, and they weren't coming back. He sat down at the café table, worry-written, ironically, across his rainbow-hued beak. Feelings of guilt began to well up within him. Replacing expensive things was always his nightmare. When you grow up with little, you don't forget. But those pangs melted away in an instant when a thought dawned on him. Why did he need shoes to play basketball? 
plenty of fellow bowlers played barefoot. Furthermore, as a child, he never had worn them. To leave his basketball shoes on that court here in El Dorado would be fitting tribute to his younger self. Yeah, he laughed at his cousin. I suppose it did knock my socks off. For good. Now, let's catch that bus. This was Returning by Toledo the Horse, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.